Luke's Gospel, chapter 22 and verse 14. And when the hour was come, he sat down, and the twelve apostles with him. And he said unto them, With desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave unto them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. A few uh, chapters further on, we have the story of the two disciples who were going to Emmaus after the resurrection of our Lord. We know the name of one of these, his name was Cleopas, but we don't know who the other one was. And they were making their way to Emmaus, which was about eight miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking amongst themselves of the things that had happened in the past days. And it says that Jesus drew near and joined himself to them as they talked and as they journeyed to Emmaus. And he, he questioned them as to what they were talking about. And they said, are you a stranger here that you don't realize what has happened concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet mighty indeed and word before God and all the people. And they told him how the chief priests had taken him and condemned him to, to, condemned him to death and had, had had him crucified. And they said, we trusted that it would have been him that should have <clears throat> redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things and some of our company, they went to the tomb and they found that it was empty and that he had risen from the dead. Then Jesus started to go through the Old Testament scriptures. It must have been a wonderful Bible class. I'd love to have been there. And he explained to them, starting right at Moses and the prophets, and he, he, he showed them the scriptures concerning himself and how that it was prophesied in types and figures throughout the Old Testament what was going to happen to the Messiah, the Lord Jesus. And then they arrived at Emmaus. And Jesus made as if he was going to go on further. But it was evening and they persuaded him and said, don't go any further. You come on in and stay the night with us. And so they invited him in. And then they had a meal. And as they were eating, he took bread and blessed it, and broke it and gave to them. And suddenly they realized who he was. Up until then, they had not recognized him as the risen Savior. But then they realized that this was the Lord Jesus Christ.
and he vanished out of their sight. And they started talking to each other and said, didn't, you know, there was something as we journeyed on the way. Did not our hearts burn within us? We should have recognized him. And immediately they got up that very hour and they set off back. Even though it was evening, even though it was a dangerous journey, they set off back to Jerusalem to tell the disciples that they had seen the risen Lord. And they told what things were done in the way and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. At that communion service, Jesus had revealed himself in a very special way to them. And that is our desire this morning. Later on we'll be having uh, communion together. And it is our desire that we will realize who Jesus is, what he has done for us, and give him thanks. That our eyes may be opened, that we may see Jesus in his risen glory. Open our eyes, Lord, we sing. Open our eyes. We want to see Jesus. To reach out and touch him and say that we love him. Open our ears, Lord, and help us to listen. Open our eyes. We want to see Jesus. And so we are going to discuss for a few moments, looking at Luke chapter 22, the, the meaning of this communion service. There are a lot of fallacies and false teachings and superstitions have grown up around the Lord's Supper, the communion service. I'm grateful to Stanley Roberts for some comments which he, he has made on a tape uh, regarding this. First of all, what it is not. It is not the actual body and blood of our Lord that we partake of. Transubstantiation. It's not that. There is no teaching in Scripture to show this untruth. It is not a pledge of our salvation, neither is it necessary for our salvation. Despite what the Catechism says, an outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual grace given unto us, ordained by Christ himself as a means whereby we receive the same and the pledge to assure us thereof. Communion or baptism is not a pledge of our salvation. When we accept Christ as our Savior, he says we receive the Holy Spirit into our lives. And in Ephesians, he is called the pledge, the guarantee, the deposit of our salvation. The Holy Spirit indwelling us is the pledge of our salvation. It is not a means whereby we receive the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. What does it say? Not of works, lest any man should boast. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Paul goes on in Philippians chapter 3 and verses 3 and 4, and he said, if we are going to trust in things of the flesh, if we are going to trust in what we have done and how good we are for our salvation, he says that in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 4, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, that's in doing things. If any other thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. And then he goes on to, to say uh, and give us a list of all the things that he did. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a 
Hebrew of the Hebrews as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. He could say that he was blameless as regards the teaching of the law. Then he says, what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. He was able to put all those things that he had done to one side because Christ had saved him. It was not by baptism that he had been saved or by keeping the uh, Lord's Supper, but through faith, not in works, lest any man should boast. It's not a pledge. I was talking to one of our, one of the local readers in the parish church here in Foy, and uh, I said to him, how is it that the Catechism says that our baptism or taking communion is a pledge of our salvation? And he says, it doesn't say that. I said, it does. The, 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 it says it in the Catechism. Oh, he said, it must be different in Ireland than it is here. But it's not. It's the same. And he went off to, to check on it, but he has never come back to tell me his answer. What it is, communion is a memorial feast to remember our Lord. A memorial feast to remember the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, let's look at Luke's Gospel, back to Luke's Gospel, chapter 22, and we'll have a look at these verses. Luke 22. The previous verses from verse 7 on, Jesus had told the disciples to go and prepare the Passover. And he said, when you go into the city, you'll see a man carrying a pitcher of water. Now we might think, how on earth could he pick out a man carrying a pitcher, a pitcher of water amongst all the people milling around in Jerusalem at Passover time? Well, this, this, the simple uh, solution to that is the women normally went to carry water. It was the women who went to the wells to get water. But this man, for some reason, he had decided to go and get the water that day. And so when they went into the city, they saw this man carrying a pitcher of water, and they followed him. And they went into the house and told the, the, the man who owned the house that Jesus had asked that they could have the upper room, the guest room, where they could prepare the Passover for Jesus and his disciples. And if we then look at verses 14 onwards, he sat down with the twelve apostles with him. Now normally the Passover was a family meal. If we go back to Exodus, Genesis, Exodus, Exodus chapter 12 and verse 3, Exodus 12 and verse 3, and here's what it says. This was uh, when they were preparing to leave the land of Egypt, Moses was giving instructions as to how they were to prepare the lamb uh, for to kill it and then to sprinkle the blood on the side posts and on the little uh, before the destroying angel came. And he said, Speak ye unto the congregation of Israel, 
this is the Lord speaking to Moses, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for a house. It was a family uh, celebration and still is a family celebration. And yet, here were the disciples, the apostles, the twelve apostles with Jesus. Just those people at this Passover, which in itself was unusual. And Jesus said unto them, I have desired, with great desire, to eat this Passover with you. It was something he had looked forward to. Something which uh, was going to be very special to him and to the apostles. What happened usually at Passover was the father of the household gathered his family around him. And then he blessed the wine and he, he would drink some of it himself and then pass it around the family for the others to take part. And likewise the unleavened bread. He would take the unleavened bread and it would be blessed and it would be passed around the members of the family after he had taken some himself. Now, unleavened bread. The leaven in the Bible where we read of leaven in any case, it is a symbol of sin. And the fact that the bread was the unleavened bread was a symbol of the fact that the Jesus Christ who, who is represented in the bread is without sin. He was a holy, sinless Savior. So we look in verse 17. He took the cup and gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. He did not drink. He did not take it himself. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. Then the whole family of the kingdom will be gathered in. When the number of the elect is complete, when the remnant of Israel shall be gathered into the kingdom, then he will eat thereof. When the fam heavenly family is gathered, at this stage the family was and is still incomplete. And this particular cup that he's talking about here in verse 17 is not the cup of the communion which we celebrate. And then in verse 19, he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave unto them saying, This is my body which is given for you, this do in remembrance of me. He broke the unleavened bread and said, This is my body. Now, we have to remember that these people were Jewish. These were Jews, the apostles, and this was something very dramatic for the Jews. They had come to the Passover feast to remember the Lamb of Egypt. They had come to remember the escape from Egypt through the death of that lamb, through the blood of the lamb being sprinkled on the doorposts and on the lintel. And God had said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. 
And ever since that time, 2,000 odd years previously, they had been worshipping. And they had come to remember the Lamb of Egypt, the Passover Lamb. But now Jesus says something very different. They had come to remember the Lamb of Egypt, but he says, from now on, remember me. I am the Lamb of God. John, when he saw Jesus walking with his disciples, the, the John the Baptist had said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And here Jesus was saying, I am the Lamb from now on. You are to remember me. Not the Lamb from Egypt, but that whole emphasis is now that you will remember me. Then it says, likewise also the cup, after supper, after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. Now, I find this part very interesting. This is the cup of communion, which we remember. In the Passover, there were two cups. The first cup, as we said, that Jesus passed around. But then there was a cup left on the table full of wine. And this was never touched. It was given two names. One was called the cup of Elijah. And if we look back to Malachi, the last book in the Bible, the very last book in the Old Testament, on the last prophecy of the Old Testament, the last two verses of the last book of the Old Testament, verses 5 and 6 of Malachi chapter 4, it says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Verse 5 again, Behold, I will send you a lie to the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Now, the Jews put the meaning on that prophecy was that Elijah would come before the Messiah. Elijah had to appear again before the Messiah. You remember that time when Peter... Uh, confessed Christ to be the Messiah in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 13. When Jesus came into the coasts of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist. Maybe come back to life again. Some Elijah and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then, of course, he said, Whom do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. But you see, the people thought perhaps that he was Elijah, coming to prepare the way and to announce the coming of the, the Messiah. You see, the Jews couldn't understand or did not understand that there was 
one Messiah, but two comings. He came the first time as the suffering servant in the role of the son of Joseph. He came on a donkey. He came as a suffering servant to die. All as shown in the, the prophecies, in particular Isaiah chapter 52. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. But he ascended after his resurrection to glory and he will come again as the conquering king, the son of David. And the Jews couldn't understand how one Messiah could fulfill both the types of prophecies. And because he did not fulfill all prophecies in the Old Testament, because he didn't fulfill the prophecies of the son of David, they assume that he is not the Messiah of God. But it was one Messiah coming twice, once as a suffering servant, and in the future he will come as a conquering king. And in Revelation 11 we have the, the, the picture there of two witnesses who will come during the Great Tribulation and they will announce and be witnesses to the coming King. And one of those it is generally agreed will be Elijah and perhaps the other one may be Enoch. Because both those men in the Old Testament were translated. Elijah was taken up to heaven in a chariot of fire. And we read of Enoch, he was translated from this life. He didn't die a natural death. And the Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die. And so the general feeling is that these two witnesses will return and they eventually will be killed. It's an interesting story. Someday we look at it in Revelation chapter 11. And so the, the cup of Elijah was left undrunk at Passover time. And even apparently they used to send children to the door to open the door to see if Elijah had come. And it was this cup that Jesus is talking about after supper. The other name for the, the second cup or this cup is the cup of the Messiah. The cup of the Messiah. So let's go back to Luke's Gospel chapter 22 bearing what we have just been talking about in mind. This cup was lying undrunk normally at Passover time. But it is this cup that Jesus lifts and he says, this cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. Think of the impact this had on the Jews, his apostles. What he was saying was that I am the Messiah. I am the one who fulfills the symbolism of this cup. 
my blood will be shed for you. Not anymore the blood of a lamb, but my blood is to be sacrificed for you. He said it is a new covenant, a new agreement, a new testament in my blood. All covenants between man and God were ratified by blood. Scripture had said without the shedding of blood there is no remission of sin. The Exodus covenant that God had with his people in Passover time dependent on the blood of a lamb slain and sprinkled on the doorposts and on the lintel. And now he is saying the new covenant is in my blood, my blood which will be shed for you. Let's look at Jeremiah, Isaiah, Jeremiah chapter 31, Jeremiah 31 and verse 31. Jeremiah 31, verse 31. Here's what it says. Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, which my covenant they broke, although I was a husband unto them, saith the Lord. But this shall be the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, said the Lord, I will put my law in their inward parts, and I will write it in their hearts, and will be their God, and they shall be my people. A new covenant, a permanent covenant, which he was going to make with each one of us who come and put our faith and trust in him. I, uh, Jeremiah chapter 50, just a few pages further on, and verse 5. It says here, Come and let us join ourselves to the Lord in a perpetual covenant that shall not be forgotten. He has shed his blood for you and for me. His body has been broken for you and for me. He said to his disciples, as they sat in the upper room, Do this in remembrance of me. And that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to come and we're going to partake of the bread and of the wine. And we want to thank him for dying for us. Thank him for shedding his precious blood. We're going to sing him low in the grave he lay jesus my savior waiting the coming day jesus my lord up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph for his foes he arose a victor from the dark domain and he lives forever with his saints to reign hallelujah christ arose he died he has risen and ascended into glory and he says do this simple memorial feast in remembrance of me.